Hello, Earnings Call listener. My name is Hadi Youssef. I run this earnings season podcast, but I also run the Borster Earnings Call mobile app, and that's what I wanted to quickly tell you about today. We've created a dedicated app for listening to earnings calls. What I mean by that is that we've basically created the Spotify for earnings calls. Our app lets you add any company to your watch list. You can download any earnings call to your phone. You can set notifications for specific companies for when a new call is available. You can also see the exact date of the earnings call. And if there is a company that isn't on our app yet, you can request a company within our app and we will promptly add it. Making earnings calls easy to access is something that I care a lot about. It's why I created this earnings season podcast. But obviously, we cannot add every single earnings call that gets published on this podcast, or else you'll be having hundreds of episodes every week. And so, we've created a dedicated app where you can go and pick and choose the exact earnings calls、uh, you're interested in. And what we post on this earnings season podcast are basically kind of the highlights or the most notable earnings calls. But in the show notes of this episode, I've included a video demonstration where I walk you through all the features that I just described for our app. And I also included the link to the App Store where you can go there and see the description of the app and the reviews. You know, I'm really proud of the feedback we've gotten from our users. And,、uh, you know, pleasing and satisfying our, our users and our customers is, is something that I、uh, take pride in. And, and as a team, we、uh, really pride ourselves on that. And so, I don't want to take more of your time and, and keep you from listening to the earnings calls you've selected today. So, without further ado, here is your earnings call. Thank you for standing by and welcome to the Tencent Holdings Limited 2019 second quarter and interim result conference call. At this time, all participants are in listen only mode. There will be a presentation followed by question and answer session. If you wish to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone to join the question queue. Your name will be announced when it is your turn to ask a question. If you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound or hash key. I must advise you that this conference is being recorded today. I would now like to hand the conference over to your host today, Ms. Jane Yip from Tencent. Please go ahead, Ms. Yip. Thank you and good evening. Welcome to our 2019 second quarter and interim results conference call. I'm Jane Yip from the IR team of Tencent. Before we start the presentation, we would like to remind you that it includes forward looking statements, which are underlined by a number of risks and uncertainties and may not be realized in the future for various reasons. Information about general market conditions is coming from a variety of sources outside of Tencent. This presentation also contains some unaudited non GAAP financial measures that should be considered in addition to, but not as a substitute for measures of the company's financial performance prepared in accordance with IFRS. For a detailed discussion of risk factors and non GAAP measures, please refer to our disclosure documents on the IR section of our website. Let me introduce the management team on the call tonight. Our chairman and CEO, Pony Ma, will kick off with a short overview. President Martin Lau will discuss strategy review. Chief Strategy Officer James Mitchell will speak to business review. And our Chief Financial Officer John Lowe will conclude with financial review before we open the floor for questions. I will now turn the call over to Pony. Thank you, Jane. Good evening. Thank you for joining us. During the second quarter of 2019, we sustained solid year on year growth in users, revenues, and profits. In games, we released successful new titles in several genres and popularized innovative game experience while promoting balanced gameplay for young players. In payment, we widened Adoption and grew average transactions and total payment value rapidly. In content, we deepened our exclusive relations with the NBA, the most watched professional sports league in China, and reinforced our position as the leading digital entertainment platform. Our diversified business portfolio has broadened our revenue streams and strengthened our resilience in the current challenging business environment. 
We will continue to invest to enhance our platforms, services, and technologies to better support our users and enterprise customers. I will now share a few highlight numbers. Total revenue was 88.8 .8 billion RMB, up 21% year-on-year and 4% quarter-on-quarter. Gross profit was 39.1 billion RMB, up 14% year-on-year or down 2% quarter-on-quarter. Non-GAAP operating profit was 27.3 billion RMB, up 23% year-on-year or down 4% quarter-on-quarter. Non-GAAP net uh, profit attributable to shareholders was uh, 23.5 billion RMB, up 19% year-on-year or 12% quarter-on-quarter. Moving to platform update, in social, combined MAU of WeChat and WeChat increased 7% year-on-year to 1.13 billion, benefiting from the wide adoption of mini-programs and WeChat Pay. Smart devices MAU of QQ was largely stable at 707 million. In games, our new game, Peacekeeper Elite has become one of the best-performing games in China. Users' activity increased in our flagship titles, driven by new content and season passes. Internationally, PUBG Mobile grew our global user base. In media, daily video views within Tencent video apps increased year-on-year due to our popular anime series and video clips from hit dramas. We are enhancing short and mini video distribution across mobile QQ browser, QQ Kandian, and Weijin Top Stories. In payment, we operate the largest mobile payment platform in China with a robust growth in users, merchants, and transaction volume. In cloud, we are the number two public cloud service provider in China, steadily picking up market share amid intense competition. In utilities, QQ Browser is a key platform for distributing our content feeds. We applied our industry-leading security capabilities to enhance the offerings of our smart industry solutions for the financial, healthcare, and retail sectors. I will now uh, invite Martin to discuss the strategic uh, review. Thank you, Pony, and uh, good morning, good evening uh, to everybody. Uh, today I will uh, talk about our leadership uh, in creating and providing high-quality content, which is a key strategic asset and capability in our overall content business and it has fueled the growth of our long video platform. It will also provide differentiated content for our short video and mini video platforms going forward. Many observers question the role of high quality content given the recent boom in user generated content such as mini videos. We believe high quality content has enduring and persistent appeal, providing users with education, lifelong bonding experiences, immersion, and stimulation in a way that is difficult for short-form user-generated content to match. While short and mini videos have captured significant time spent, we believe it was mostly additive to internet time spent as opposed to taking time away from high-quality content. The length of user time spent on high-quality content, such as professional sports, esports, and popular drama series, continues to show healthy growth trends. Moreover, there are emerging synergies between long and short-form content, and we can capture the growing opportunities of both. For example, we are repurposing our high-quality content to produce video clips and highlights for mini-videos, contributing to rapid growth in short video consumption within our Tencent video application, as well as in our new feeds. Our leading games are also sources of many popular short and mini-videos. We believe we have unrivaled capabilities in terms of producing, curating, and operating high-quality content. First, we source high-quality content both internally and externally. On the one hand, we possess 
market-leading in-house IP incubation platforms, such as China Literature Group, Tencent Games, Tencent Video, and Tencent Comics. On the other hand, we partner with global best-in-class content providers, such as the NBA, Sony, Universal, Warner, and the BBC, to name a few, to bring their content to targeted audiences in China. Second, we have accumulated insights and expertise in content management. Our operations team manage, curate, and deliver content to target audiences in suitable formats, coupled with the right storytelling and packaging, while our technology groups ensure smooth content delivery. Third, we use our content platforms, such as Tencent Games and Tencent Video, as well as our communication social platforms, Weishin and QQ, to bring content to the widest possible user base with amplifications through social interactions. In turn, the users become enthusiastic fans of the content, creating resonance and loyalty to the IP. In the next two pages, I'll discuss two case studies to illustrate how we create, curate, and enhance high-quality content using our platforms. The first one is on novels. With our subsidiary, China Literature, we have become the market leader in terms of incubating online novels and converting them into hit entertainment formats in China. For example, The King's Avatar is a popular China literature novel about an esports player. We have created drama series and anime series based on The King's Avatar IP, with each ranked number one of its kind by video views during their broadcast periods. We are also about to release a movie and will develop and publish mobile games based on this IP. The Master of Diabolism is another novel from a joint venture under China literature and is especially popular among female readers. We have produced two series of its enemy and cumulated generated over 2.2 billion video views on our platform. We also released a drama series based on The Master of Diabolism which ranked the top costume drama by video views in the heavily contested month of July of this year. Our second case study illustrates our ability to partner with the best content internationally and sharply upsize its China audience base. Since we signed our first exclusive contract with the NBA in 2015, we have helped the NBA to approximately triple its full season audience to 490 million viewers and its average per game live streaming audience to 3.7 million viewers. This growth both boosted the NBA's brand power in China and substantially increased its monetization capability. On the other hand, it has also contributed to Tencent Sports becoming the top online destination for sports fans. Based on the success of the first contract, we recently announced that we have successfully extended our partnership with NBA for five more years. Looking forward, we intend to deliver NBA content across high DAO platforms in live streaming, video on demand, short and mini video formats, with even better innovative packaging. We intend to enrich NBA VIP and membership benefits, including club merchandise and online streaming privileges. And at the same time, we intend to cooperate further with NBA in developing NBA branded mobile games and esports events. So with that, I'll pass to James to talk about the business review. Thank you, Martin. For the second quarter of 2019, our total revenue grew 21% year-on-year. BAS remained our largest revenue segment, representing 54% of our revenue, within which online games were 31% and social networks 23%. Online advertising was 18% of our revenue, and fintech and business services represented 26%. Looking at value-added services, segment revenue was 48.1 billion RMB in the second quarter, up 14% year-on-year and down 2% quarter-on-quarter. Social networks revenue was 20.8 billion RMB, up 23% year-on-year and up 2% quarter-on-quarter. Virtual item sales in live streaming services and games contributed notably to the year-on-year -year and quarter-on-quarter -quarter growth rates. Our VAS subscription counts increased 10% year-on-year to 169 million due to the growth of online video and music subscription services, 
within which video subscriptions were 97 million, up 30% year-on-year and up 9% quarter-on-quarter due to factors including joint membership promotions with our partners such as JD.com and Meituan Tianping, as well as the popularity of our Chinese anime series. For online games, total smartphone games revenue increased 26% year-on-year to 22.2 billion renminbi, benefiting from the popularity of key titles and new releases. Sequentially, smartphone game revenue grew 5% as we launched more games following the renewal of the Banhao approval process, offsetting weak seasonality. PC client game revenue decreased 9% year-on-year, although cash receipts increased year-on-year. PC client game revenue decreased 15% quarter-on-quarter due to adverse seasonality. Focusing on our social networks, Weishin and QQ continue to enhance their chat experiences and content consumption, boosting user engagement and time spent. For Weishin, we're successfully building out a uniquely vibrant mini-programs ecosystem. By providing development tools, access to consumers, and monetization opportunities, mini-programs help developers and service providers efficiently expand their businesses online. The number of mid- and long-tail mini-programs more than doubled year-on-year. Mini-programs are also becoming more diversified in nature. For example, content mini-programs allow users to conveniently create, upload, and share videos, music, and news within Weishin. More than a dozen content mini-programs have attained over 1 million DAUs. Benefiting from the popularity of mini-programs, Weishin broadened its use cases and grew its user time spent. In our latest upgrade for mobile QQ, we introduced QQ mini-programs, within which entertainment and game categories are particularly popular among the QQ users. We enrich the QQ chat experience via enhanced functionalities for video and voice messages and added an extended screen photo format, boosting daily messages per user quarter on quarter. And we helped users expand their social graph through an upgraded algorithm to recommend connections based on common interests and shared contacts. For smartphone games, existing titles and recent releases drove resumed revenue growth. We launched 10 games this quarter, up from one game in the first quarter, including an augmented reality game, Katia, and role-playing games such as Fairy Tale and Raziel. Honor of Kings increased its revenue year-on-year, benefiting from its season pass initiative. Other games that notably contributed to quarterly revenue included earlier releases such as Naruto Mobile and Red Alert Online, as well as more recent titles such as Perfect World Mobile. Peacekeeper Elite has now exceeded 50 million daily active users and is in early stage monetization, particularly via season passes. However, its revenue contribution this quarter was very small due to our revenue deferral policy. In July, we released three games in different genres. Kart Rider at Rush is a racing car game. Game of Thrones Winter, of Coming, Winter is Coming is a strategy game. And Dragon Roger is a role-playing game. The fact that all three games have achieved top 10 positions in the iOS grossing chart in China is a positive sign for our industry, pointing to player demand for a range of experiences, which appear to complement rather than cannibalize each other. Internationally, PUBG Mobile attained over 50 million daily active users while new games Speed Drifter and Chess Rush achieved initial popularity. For PC client games, League of Legends' new play mode, Teamfight Tactics, has become the clear global leader in the auto chess category since releasing internationally in June and in China in July, benefiting its daily active users and time spent. League of Legends China cash receipts increase year on year due to popular esports themed skins. For Dungeon and Fighter, we're currently prioritizing enhancing the user experience and putting less emphasis on player spending initiatives for the next few months. Moving to our online advertising business, segment revenue increased 16% year-on-year to 16.4 billion renminbi amidst challenging macroeconomic conditions and increased short video ad inventory supply. We expect these negative factors may continue impacting the industry through the rest of this year. Sequentially, our advertising revenue increased 23%, benefiting from seasonally high demand from categories such as e-commerce and online education. Our media advertising revenue is 4.4 billion renminbi, down 7% year-on-year, or up 26% quarter-on-quarter. The year-on-year decrease was mainly due to the absence of the FIFA World Cup this year and the unexpected delay of certain top-tier drama series. Operationally, our mobile video DAU was stable year-on-year, as consumers continue to value the differentiated storytelling and immersive experiences that long-form video can provide versus short-form video. 
In April, we released Season 2 of Produce 101, a highly popular variety show which achieved record ad billings for a handsome video program. Our social and others advertising revenue was 12 billion RMB, up 28% year-on-year and up 21% quarter-on-quarter. Growth benefited from more ad inventory and impressions, notably the third ad load in Weishin Moments and the ad inventory in our QQ Candy and Newsfeed. Looking at fintech and business services, segment revenue was 22.9 billion RMB, up 37% year-on-year and up 5% quarter-on-quarter. Excluding the negative impact of reduced interest income on custodian cash balances, segment revenue was up 57% year-on-year and up 7% quarter-on-quarter. Within fintech services, commercial payment grew rapidly in terms of users, merchants, transaction volumes, and revenue, driving the year-to-year segment revenue growth. Our commercial payment volume grew over 10% quarter-on-quarter. Lead Taitong grew its AUM over 30% in the past six months to over 800 billion RMB as of June, indicating a trend that our users are increasingly keeping money within our payment system. This trend lowers the frictional costs for users to use Weishinpay and also has the effect of reducing our withdrawal fees and thus our revenue as well as our bank charge expenses. The overall impact should enhance the vitality of our fintech business in the long run. We continue to focus on fintech risk management to sustain long-term platform growth. Within business services, expanding our industry-facing sales teams and enhancing our product offerings enabled us to sign up more key accounts and large contracts, which contributed to rapid cloud services revenue growth year-on-year. Through close partnerships with independent software vendors and resellers, we've also increased our cloud services penetration among small and medium businesses. And with that, I'll pass to John to discuss the financial review. Thank you, James. Hello, everyone. For the second quarter of 2019, total revenue was 88.8 billion RMB, up 21% year-on-year, or 4% quarter-on-quarter. Gross profit was 39.1 billion RMB, up 14% year-on-year, or down 2% quarter-on-quarter. Net other gains was 4 billion RMB, down 64% sequentially, Lower net gains from investees and high impairment provision against certain investments, which are both non-GAAP adjustments, were the reasons for sequential decrease. Operating profit was 27.5 billion RMB, up 26% year-on-year, or down 25% quarter-on-quarter. Net finance costs were 2 billion RMB, up 72% year-on-year, and 77% quarter-on-quarter. The increase was primarily driven by greater interest expense as a result of recent fund issuance and forest loss. Share of profit of associates and joint venture was approximately 2.4 billion RMB compared to share of losses of 3 billion RMB last quarter. On a non-GAAP basis, share of profit of associates and JV was 2.4 billion RMB compared to share of losses of 518 million last quarter due to improved performance of certain investees. Income tax expense was 3.2 billion RMB, down 10% year-on-year and 33% quarter-on-quarter, mainly due to recognition of tax benefits. Effective tax rate for the quarter was 11.6%. Gap net profit attributable to shareholders was 24.1 billion RMB and gap diluted EPS was 2.52 RMB. Both metrics up 35% year-on-year or down 11% quarter-on-quarter. On a non-gap basis, net profit was 23.5 billion RMB and diluted EPS was 2.46 RMB. Both went up 19% year-on-year and 12% quarter-on-quarter. Let me walk you through our non-gap financial numbers. Operating profit was 27.3 billion RMB, up 23% year-on-year or down 4% quarter-on-quarter. Operating margin was 30.7%, up 0.5% year-on-year or down 2.6% quarter-on-quarter. Net margin was 27.2%, down 0.6% year-on-year or up 1.8% quarter-on-quarter. Turning to segment gross margin. Gross margin for VAS was 52.6%, down 6.4 percentage points year-on-year, and 5 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. The year-on-year decrease 
reflected revenue makes shift to low margin products. Sequentially, margin contraction was a result of higher video content costs and revenue makes shift to lower margin products such as blackboard cars and license games. Gross margin for online advertising was 48.6%, up 11.2 percentage points year-on-year -year and 6.7 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. Quarter. The year-on-year -year increase primarily reflected rapid growth of social ads. Sequentially, seasonal uptick of the China advertising market contributed to margin expansion. Gross margin for fintech and business services was 24%, down 2 percentage points year-on-year -year and 4.5 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. -quarter. The absence of interest income from the custodian accounts per BBOC guidelines since mid-January was the main reason behind the year-on-year -year decrease. The rapid growth of commercial payment business uh, accounts for you know, uh, the sequential decline. On operating expenses, selling and marketing expenses were 4.7 billion RMB, down 26% year-on-year, or up 11% quarter-on-quarter. The year-on-year -year decrease reflected a prudent cost management initiatives. Sequentially, selling and marketing expenses increased due to marketing activities for new game releases following the resumption of uh, Banhao approval process. Selling and marketing expenses represented 5.3% of quarterly revenue. GNA expenses were 12.6 billion RMB, up 28% year-on-year and 11% quarter-on-quarter, primarily driven by increase in R&D expenses and staff force. Within GNA, R&D expenses were 7.1 billion RMB, up 24% year-on-year and 10% quarter-on-quarter. As a percentage of quarterly revenue, GNA was 14.2% and R&D was 8%. At quarter end, we had approximately 56,300 employees, up 15% year-on-year and 3% quarter-on-quarter. Let's take a look at the margin ratios. Gross margin was 44.1%, down 2.7 percentage points year-on-year and 2.5 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. A blended gross margin contracted due to full-through from reduced vast gross margin and makeshift shift to lower margin revenues. Non-GAAP operating margin was 30.7%, broadly stable year-on-year, -year, and down 2.6 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. Non-GAAP net margin was 27.2%, broadly stable year-on-year, -year, and up 1.8 percentage points quarter-on-quarter. -quarter. Before I close my remarks, I will share some key financial metrics for the second quarter. Total capex was 4.4 billion RMB, down 38% year-on-year and 3% quarter-on-quarter, of which operating capex dropped 43% year-on-year to 3.8 billion RMB because last year we purchased a large quantity of service to support our crowd business expansion. Non-operating capex increased year-on-year -year to 602 million RMB. Free cash flow was uh, 20.7 billion RMB, up 27% year-on-year, or down 14% quarter-on-quarter. Net debt position was 15.8 billion RMB, which had improved 55% compared to last year. In the second quarter, uh, total cash grew 6% quarter-on-quarter, following payments for annual dividends and M&A activities, while total debt grew 9% quarter-on-quarter due to a recent bond issuance. As a result, our net debt position increased 64% from the previous quarter. The fair value of our shareholdings in listed investee companies, excluding subsidiaries, was approximately 302 billion RMB, or roughly 48 billion US dollars, compared to 310.7 billion RMB, or roughly 46 billion US dollars last quarter. Thank you. We shall open the floor for questions. Operator, shall we have the first question, please? Thank you. We have the first questions comes from the line of Alex Yao from JP Morgan. Please ask your question. Please note, you are allowed to ask one question each time. Uh, thank you, management, for taking my question. Um, very quick one on the advertising outlook in the coming quarters. Um, 
can you talk about um, the uh, macro environment as well as the oversupply situation? I think, James, you mentioned that you expect um, this uh, oversupply situation will persist into uh, second half this year. Uh, what, what are your strategies to address uh, such a market condition, and how do you think about uh, the 2020 outlook? Uh, do you do, do you think uh, um, the current oversupply situation will be better? Um, would there be a new incremental advertising release over the next uh, uh, four quarters or so? Thank you. Uh, thank you for the question, Alex. So, uh, you know, our assumption is that the macro environment will remain difficult uh, for the rest of the year and uh, that the uh, situation of a heavy supply of advertising inventory will continue for, for the rest of the year and uh, potentially into next year. And you know, that obviously flows through to some extent into uh, our advertising revenue, particularly on the uh, media side, um, particularly with industries such as automobiles, uh, real estate, uh, financial services. Um, in terms of what we can do, then uh, you know, some of these challenges uh, around the macroeconomic situation, around uh, the, the industry-wide uh, inventory supply uh, are not within our direct control. Uh, what we can control are factors such as the rate of our own inventory growth, our ability to provide new tools to advertisers, uh, our capabilities in terms of targeting ads to the right users. Uh, and those factors uh, you know, also have uh, an impact on our growth rate. And so. Uh, you know, we, we seek to uh, use those factors uh, to, uh, you know, sustain uh, you know, what we view as a, a healthy, although not uh, super rapid, uh, rate of uh, advertising uh, in the current challenging environment. Thank you. Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Alicia Yup from Citigroup. Please ask a question. Hi, um, good evening, uh, management. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, my, my, my question is regarding the online games. Um, how should we reconcile uh, this discrepancy between uh, our expectation versus um, the reported games revenue and the deferred revenue growth this quarter? Uh, you noted in the press release that the Peacekeeper Elite, uh, the game has decent uh, initial success right, in monetization, but with limited reported uh, revenues in the second quarter due to the deferred impact. But yet, um, your sequential growth in the deferred revenue uh, really didn't show very strong number. Uh, so we understand it could be related to different movement or contribution from different games and the timing. But could you walk us through how uh, we should be looking at uh, the provided number uh, to judge or estimate the trend for the third quarter and the second half uh, gaming revenue growth? Thank you, Alicia. So uh, in terms of the uh, game revenue trends in the second quarter, as you're probably aware, the second quarter is seasonally a much slower quarter than the first quarter. And if you look at our history, then historically, uh, our game reported revenue and the deferred revenue associated with games have often declined quarter on quarter from the first quarter. If you look at some of our listed comparables, their deferred revenue associated with games declines at a double-digit rate quarter on quarter. So I think that on our side, the fact that this year's second quarter, both our reported revenue and our deferred revenue increased quarter on quarter. Uh, for the smartphone games is actually, uh, you know, quite positive and encouraging. Uh, and uh, zooming in on uh, Peacekeeper Elite, and uh, the game has uh, launched strongly. Uh, it, it, uh, it is generating uh, healthy revenue now from its season passes. However, the very large majority of uh, Peacekeeper Elite's uh, cash flow generation in the second quarter was, was deferred to subsequent quarters. So only a, a minority, a small minority, was captured in our reported revenue line. And, and you know, Peacekeeper Elite was not even among our top 10 games in terms of reported revenue uh, in the second quarter. On the other hand, uh, we saw pretty healthy quarter-on-quarter -quarter trends uh, from a number of our, our mobile games, including uh, PUBG Mobile internationally, uh, including our new game, uh, Katia, uh, including um, uh, Perfect World Mobile. So I think um, overall, uh, you know, we, we were quite happy with the uh, recovery in smartphone game revenue. Uh, now, obviously, it takes some time 
for you know what we see to flow through fully into the reported financials because of the <coughs> revenue cycle. Uh, but the fact that deferred revenue is up quarter on quarter and what's seasonally a slow quarter for deferred revenue, I think gives us some comfort on our side. Thank you. Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Eddie Leung from Bank of America. Please ask a question. Uh, good evening. Uh, thank you for taking my questions. Um, could you talk a little bit about um, your strategy in uh, high-quality content, um, especially how you decide on being an independent user platform versus uh, investing in uh, certain upstream content providers, uh, given your past experience in uh, investing in game studios um, you know, for, for our information. And then you know, just a follow-up question on games. Um, James, could you also give us your thought on the potential new entrants uh, from the short video industry? Uh, thank you. Yeah, in terms of uh, uh, the high-quality content, right now, I, I would say our platform strategy is actually uh, to be an all-inclusive platform. Right now, we try to include as much content as possible, so that you can see uh, with respect to our. Uh, video platform and uh, as well as uh, uh, China literature. Uh, but at the same time, uh, what we find is that, uh, well, and, th and that applies to our music platform as well, you know, but what we find uh, in becoming uh, um, a strong uh, all-inclusive uh, content platform, uh, there is actually a lot of synergies if we can work with the uh, content providers more closely. Uh, and as a result, uh, when you look at our uh, games platform, for example, right, you know, we have been uh, very early on investing in game studios so that uh, we try to establish a very uh, deep partnership as well as close uh, partnership relationship with the, the content providers. Because we felt that once we have that uh, relationship, uh, a lot of times what we can do is we can uh, curate the content better, we can uh, take a long-term perspective and invest in the content better, and we can uh, understand uh, the content more, uh, and we can help the uh, content developers to understand our platform more, so that uh, as a whole, uh, we can actually uh, help the content to be more popular within our uh, user base, and at the same time, uh, for our user base, we can contribute uh, more traffic uh, to um, to the uh, content developers. So it's a win-win relationship that we can build once we have uh, a, a deeper relationship uh, as opposed to just uh, a mercantile relationship. So um, in almost every single content platform, we have tried to uh, find different ways to establish a stronger relationship with uh, the content providers. And uh, that uh, is one of uh, the reasons why we have very strong capability uh, in creating uh, in uh, curating as well as in popularizing uh, the high-quality content. Now, I would say, you know, within the games segment, right, you know, when, when you look at uh, uh, potential new entrants from uh, mini video player, uh, I, I think uh, overall uh, we felt uh, there's already a lot of uh, competitors uh, in the gaming uh, sector. And, uh, you know, throughout the history, the, the game uh, industry actually thrive on on having a lot of uh, different competition, and and to some extent, I, I would say uh, we welcome new entrants to some extent because you know when when people bring in uh, new ideas, uh, this is exactly how we can actually expand uh, the the uh, gaming industry. You know, the gaming industry is actually driven by innovation. Now, we we do believe that. Uh, in order to be a very strong player in games, you actually require a lot of domain expertise, uh, which uh, took us uh, many, many, many years to build. Uh, and at the same time, I would also want to say that you know, for our existing uh, games, uh, and uh, especially the very large games, right, you know, there, there's an extremely strong network effect. Uh, in the games, uh, especially when it's coupled with our social network, and that's a unique advantage that we have. Um, so, so I think you know overall uh, we are not too concerned about uh, having more and more players uh, to be playing in the uh, gaming market. And uh, I would also want to point out that when you are uh, already a player that's making a lot of revenue from ads, 
the incentive to move into uh, gaming uh, is actually not extremely obvious so because you know, to some extent you are already making a lot of revenue from the gaming industry as a whole. Um, so that's sort of you know, what, what, uh, uh, what my, my reaction is. Thank you. The next question comes from the line of Grace Chen from Morgan Stanley. Please ask a question. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, my question is about the cloud business. The, I noticed that in the press release said that Tencent deepened partnership uh, penetration in the small and medium business through close partnerships with independent software vendors. Um, so I'm wondering whether the management can elaborate more about the partnerships with software vendors. Are there uh, are these uh, many international or domestic software partners, and in which type of software solutions? Also, is Tencent interested in developing in-house software solutions, and what type of software solutions that that could be? Thank you very much. Um, in, in terms of uh, our cloud um, business, uh, as you know, you know, number one, I, I want to say, you know, our cloud business have actually sort of registered very strong growth uh, in the quarter, and uh, we believe we have been uh, consistently. Uh, picking up market share um, uh, in the past few quarters. Now, uh, with respect to uh, the the mix of the cloud business, right? You know, we <coughs> have been uh, traditionally quite strong uh, in terms of uh, getting uh, businesses from internet players, uh, and um, and uh, uh, more recently, uh, we have also made a pretty strong inroad into. Uh, you know, some of the enterprise sectors, including financial uh, verticals, uh, including uh, government uh, verticals. Uh, and the, the last piece of the uh, puzzle is really uh, building more uh, exposure to the small and medium enterprises, uh, which uh, I think, you know, over the past uh, couple of quarters, we have made uh, good progress. And uh, that uh, progress uh, is mainly made uh, with respect to what you have um, described, which is building relationships through uh, the ISVs and through the ISVs who have a lot of connection to uh, the different uh, uh, SMEs, right? You know, we can actually uh, sell our uh, cloud solutions to them. And these ISVs uh, may be uh, sec you know, experts in a particular uh, industry. So, for example, they may be uh, experts in the restaurant industry, uh, some of them may be uh, experts uh, in the financial or retail industry, and when we build relationships with them, we can actually, through them, cover a lot of smaller players uh, and companies and customers within those sectors. Uh, there are also some uh, companies uh, who are uh, bigger in size, and uh, in some of these uh, companies, we have actually invested in them. Uh, in order to uh, establish a stronger relationship. So uh, take the example of uh, Donghua software or, uh, or Beiming. Right? You know, there, there are a number of ISVs, larger ones, that we have invested in them so that you know, we can actually uh, go through them uh, in order for us to cover the uh, small and medium enterprises. Uh, I would also want to point out that uh, another initiative that we've done uh, with respect to the small and medium enterprises is um, uh, is uh, uh, in increasing our toolkit uh, for uh, mini programs. Uh, when we can provide a, a set of tools for companies to connect their mini programs to our cloud services, uh, then uh, we have a much higher probability of picking them up as our cloud solutions. Now, uh, one more uh, point to add is that uh, in addition to all these initiatives, uh, we've also been developing uh, SaaS solutions, both on our own as well as uh, working with SaaS uh, providers in China uh, so that uh, we have exposure to SaaS software solutions such as CRM, such as uh, document uh, processing, uh, as well as enterprise messaging. So we believe uh, our SaaS initiative is also another way through which we can uh, cover small and medium enterprises uh, in the cloud market. Thank you. And the next question, please. The next question comes from the line of John Choi from Daiwa Capital Market. Please ask a question. 
Um, thank you for taking my question. Um, I have a question on your marketing expense. Um, this quarter we've seen a uh, pretty um, came down quite a bit on a uh, year over year, and you know I think on the um, press release said um, you guys have reduced um, less effective marketing campaigns. Um, can you guys elaborate a bit more on these initiatives, and how should we think about the um, you know spending trend for marketing and also uh, sales and marketing, and also for other OPEX items um, towards the end of the year? Thank you. Yeah, I think since um, the last quarter last uh, last quarter last year, we have uh, uh, very strong, you know, control on certain marketing expenses. You know, in particular, we'll look at while they're spending, we'll look at you know uh, whether they have been spent effectively and efficiently, and if it doesn't uh, meet our threshold, then you know uh, we'll cut you know the entire you know uh, campaign uh, completely. Uh, as opposed to uh, in the past, you know, we tend, you know, to uh, assign a budget and, you know, uh, we just sort of, you know, uh, let them, you know, finish, you know, all the marketing activities before, you know, doing a thorough assessment on the ROIs. Uh, and um, I think, you know, there are other ways in which uh, we can measure, you know, the effectiveness by comparing, you know, similar activities, you know, uh, between different uh business groups and between different departments to ensure that, you know, we get, you know, the best, you know, efforts out of this, you know, uh, those marketing activities. Uh, also, I think, you know, uh, we do have, uh, we, we, we do give out, you know, budget on a piecemeal basis as opposed to in the past in which, you know, we give out all the budget, you know, all at the same time and we do reviews, you know, on a monthly basis, you know, to ensure that, you know, the uh, marketing objectives have been matched, you know, before, you know, assign, assigning the, you know, four months, you know, budget for that. Uh, that's why you have been seeing, you know, a uh, sharp decline in the selling marketing expenses, you know, in the uh, past, you know, two to three quarters on year-on-year -year basis. Uh, going forward, you know, um, of course, you know, this initiative will continue, uh, but at the same time, um, as you understand, uh, those marketing activities can down up and down, you know, according to needs and demand and according to how our uh, competitors, you know, uh, spend, you know, in particular in some areas just like payment, uh, like, you know, uh, few, uh, a year ago or, um, we have been spending quite a lot, you know, in the uh, payment side, but, you know, once, you know, we get to certain momentum and when compared with, you know, spending versus our peers, you know, we tend to spend uh, less and more wisely. So, so uh, I think you know, to summarize, right, one is a, a very strong cost-controlled um, initiative at the company. Second, uh, I would say uh, there's some uh, because of the macro environment, you know, we we can get um, better deals in terms of uh, advertising and promotions. Thirdly, with respect to uh, certain verticals such as uh, payment, uh, when when uh, the revenue uh, of the market get hit, right? You know, when interest income were actually uh, taken away, uh, the marketing spend of the different players actually uh, get rationalized a bit. So, so it's a balancing act. But uh, going forward, I think you know we we, we uh, believe a lot of the fat has been cut already. And then uh, when when we are ready to promote for new games, right? You know, then the marketing expenses will probably go up. Uh, but I think overall, because of the cost control and the overall uh, market environment, I think you know it's much healthier marketing environment now than before. Thank you. And the next question, please. The next question comes from the line of Binny Wong from his SBC. Please ask a question. Thank you, management, for taking the questions. Um, my question is on the video side. So on the soft front video, uh, thank you for highlighting the differentiation of your short video against your peers in your opening remark. And if we think about how to yield the maximum synergies, right, from your unique advantages in your content creation platform, I guess what it boils down to is how effective and how targeted we can push the right format to your target audience. So I guess the question is uh, how much data user insight uh, is the short video team or your technology team can be shared uh, to um, uh, to do more right, uh, the, to do the uh, um, a better targeting. 
than our peers. And then the second question is on the long-form video side. Um, how should we think about to mitigate the negative impact on the media as uh, of unexpected drama delay, especially when we are approaching the National Day and um, there might be more uh, regulatory, uh, I mean, in terms of the tightening on the content side. Um, and then how are we thinking about any operational measures, such as any product change in terms of the type of drama to uh, drive and add revenue growth uh, on the media front? Thank you. Well, I, I think uh, we, we do have a lot of data about our users. Uh, so uh, over time, uh, we have been building a lot of technologies uh, in order for us <coughs> to uh, uh, you know, leverage this data right, you know, for, for um, feeding the right uh, short and mini video to our users. Uh, I think so far, uh, the result has been encouraging especially after the establishment of our PCG uh, because you know, we consolidated uh, all our uh, tech resources uh, to create uh, the tech platform that can support uh, our long video, our uh, short video, and our mini video. I think more progress has been made on the short video front um, because uh, if you look at the short video growth uh, within our overall platform, uh, it has actually grown very strongly across our QQ Candy and our QQ Browser, as well as uh, as well as Tencent Video. Uh, so uh, that actually has uh, made uh, very significant progress. Now, with respect to mini videos, I think you know uh, it will take some time uh, before we uh, really start to uh, promote our Weishi. Uh, on Weishi, we actually uh, viewed it as a very strategic uh, product for us. Uh, we will be uh, building up the technology, the uh, content curation capability, uh, as well as um, uh, the, the ability for us to target uh, the mini video to the different users uh, through a recommended feed uh, over the long run. Uh, and uh, as and when our uh, engagement and retention have reached our target, uh, we'll actually start promoting in a very big way. In terms, Vinny, in terms of your question about long-form video and how we mitigate the impact of uh, the um, unexpected delays to, to uh, key drama series, then you know, I think a, a, at a high level, we don't necessarily uh, you know, seek to, to, to mitigate fluctuations in individual business lines but by you know, doing things in adjacent business lines. You, know, you saw last year that when our game revenue, which is a much bigger proportion of our total revenue than video, was under pressure. We, we didn't seek to uh, accelerate monetization elsewhere. We, we believe we have a relatively you know, diversified, broad revenue uh, mix. Uh, and you know, one of the strengths of the position we're in is that we can afford to uh, you know, take some hits in, in, in the nature of the business and, and rely on, on the, the breadth and depth of our capabilities to move us forward. Uh, so that's a high-level answer. Now, getting a little bit more granular in terms of you know, what the video team are doing in this environment, uh, you know, clearly from a content perspective, uh, given the, the difficulty putting drama series, and especially uh, historical costume drama series on air, we have been uh, doubling down our focus on some other content categories. So we've talked a great deal about Chinese anime, where we believe we're the clear market leader now in terms of both production and distribution, and where we can leverage the competitive advantage that accrues to us from our, our, our relationship with China literature as the, the upstream inspiration for many of these animated TV series. Uh, we've been an aggressive investor in, in documentaries. Uh, and then our Produce 101 variety show we think is the, the highest rating and highest grossing variety show in the market. So that's on the content side. Uh, on the revenue side, uh, the traditional 30-second uh, you know, spot advertising revenue is under pressure because of macro factors and because of uh, the delays to, to the drama series. Uh, that said, we continue to grow our subscription revenue at a, a reasonably fast rate. And uh, in the past 12 months, we've, we've, we've more than doubled, we've approximately tripled uh, the advertising revenue on the news feed inside our Tencent video app, uh, which uh, you know, is um, less directly tied to, to individual hit content and more broadly related to the uh, daily active user base of the app, which, which remains healthy despite uh, some of the challenges we're facing. Thank you. And the next question, please. Next question comes from the line of Gregory Chow from Barclays. Please ask a question. 
Hi, management. Thanks for taking my question. Uh, so I think starting from September, GD will put its team by business towards uh, wishing level one entry. And uh, we also know Pinduoduo to actually leverage, uh, leverage your uh, social network and, uh, and launched a very uh, unique team by business model uh, in the past two years. So just want to check uh, your expectation on GT's new uh, new launch on the team by and also want to understand uh, your strategies to balance your resources uh, to your investment company and also very quick follow-up on the content cost. I think you mentioned you increase your uh, the cost in shorter video side. So specifically, I want to understand uh, in which area will, uh, will you spend uh, the money uh, to directly pay for some uh, uh, MCNs or some video uh, studios to, pre uh, to produce some short video contents? Thank you. Um, in terms of JD, we, we did renew the contract and um, they're going to uh, launch uh, a new user experience. Uh, we continue to believe that there is a lot of potential uh, with respect to both um, building an, an e-commerce ecosystem within uh, Weixin uh, and uh, the, the level one entry uh, point for users. Because uh, I think, you know, as our experience shows, right, there are a lot of users who actually go into that entry point. Uh, and uh, if uh, the entry point uh, is uh, going to be able to provide a great user experience uh, and at the same time um, uh, provide uh, great products uh, to the users, uh, and uh, have a, a high retention rate for the individual users, as well as uh, create uh, some additional uh, leverage uh, over our social network. Right? You know, there there could be a lot of potential uh, in the uh, level one entry point. So you know, we we do believe uh, there's potential, and we hope uh, the new uh, product design would actually sort of you know uh, unleash uh, some of these uh, potential. Uh, I think yeah, interestingly, you have brought up Pinduoduo, uh, which for a long time, right? You know, they uh, did not have a level one entry point, and they have been able to uh, leverage uh, the social network to uh, bring great benefits to their own business, right? you know, which uh, to some extent validates uh, the, the, the point that I made, which is you know, there's a lot of potential within Weixin to build a strong uh, ecosystem around e-commerce. Uh, and uh, if you see now, we have provided a level two uh, entry point for Pinduoduo, uh, and uh, uh, I think you know, these two user experiences are actually quite different, uh, and uh, uh, you know, we, we do intend to provide help to both companies in order to uh, generate uh, the right user experience as well as the right uh, user excitement uh, according to their uh, differentiated uh, product experience uh, and uh, category management experience. Now, uh, on, on content, maybe, John, do you want to answer that? Questions? All right, Evan, in terms of um, uh, short video content, you know, a lot of those contents are um, um, self generated, and um, there are not a lot of, you know, content calls in which we pay to MCNs or whatever you know, right now. Okay. Um, thank you. So due to the time constraint, maybe we have the last three questions, please. The next question comes from the line of Jerry Liu from UBS. Please ask a question. Hey, thank you very much. Um, my question is on FinTech. Uh, we've seen pretty good revenue growth and, and margin improvement uh, in this business, uh, but this quarter we, we also flagged uh, the the fact that uh, users are not withdrawing the cash uh, actually uh, slowed uh, the, the 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 revenue growth and margin uh, margins a bit. I just wanted to get an outlook uh, for the next few quarters, maybe next couple of years, um, as, as we develop more financial products marketplace, as we do um, you know new services and products in this area. Uh, how do we see the revenue growth and margins trending? Thanks. Well, number one, as you have pointed out, you know the the uh, the trend, the short-term trend is actually uh, the users actually keeping more money within our ecosystem, uh, and as a result, the the short-term impact is that uh, it affects the revenue because uh, the 
uh, users are withdrawing less cash. And since we have already paid for the cost, the banking cost of such cash, where when they withdraw less, uh, the, the, the margin also got impacted negatively. But net-net is actually a very good trend uh, from our perspective because uh, it, it helps the users to be transferring uh, money and paying for services uh, at, uh, at uh, uh, zero cost when they keep the money within our system. Right? You know, so, so the frictional cost has been reduced. So it's actually structurally a great uh, uh, and uh, a very healthy uh, trend for the overall payment system, which then brings to the the uh, next question, which is, and, you know, over the long run, we do believe fintech business has got a lot of potential, right? You know, this is something which is, I would say, similar to our uh, social and uh, performance ad, right? You know, we viewed it as a multi-year, uh, a multi-year growth opportunity, uh, and uh, there is already a very large user base. There is already a very large transaction volume. Uh, and a lot of merchants actually rely uh, on the payment platform to actually conduct their businesses. So by and large, right, you know, we have uh, a lot of um, uh, traffic and, and uh, platform franchise to actually uh, monetize. But at the same time, what we want to do is actually monetize through value added pay, not through just keep, uh, in, increasing the charges because you know, we felt that you know, it's still a very competitive environment. So uh, you know, in, in terms of uh, going forward, uh, fintech uh, services, uh, particularly uh, our microloans, could be uh, quite important. But uh, under the current environment, right, while there's still a lot of potential uh, in terms of expanding our loan portfolio, we do want to make sure that it's expanded in a measured way so that uh, our, our uh, risk management uh, is actually uh, done uh, in the proper way. Uh, especially under the, the current macro environment, right? We we try to be erring even on the more conservative side uh, to make sure that uh, we are not uh, exposing ourselves to too much risk. Uh, and at the same time, since uh, clearly there is a lot of headroom for us to grow, right? We want to spread over a multi-year period rather than uh, try to draw it all in in a short period of time. So that's how we look at our overall fintech services. The next question, please. The next question comes from the line of Piyush Mubai from Goldman Sachs. Please ask ah. a question. Martin, can I just ask another question in FinTech? Um, you talked about uh, the broader direction. You talked about a few specifics. Could you also talk through what's going on with the payment and the competitive uh, landscape at this point? Um, any new strategies that you're deploying um, and confirm whether there's been a change of guard from your side. Um, and if I might ask, about two quarters ago you talked about commercial being more than 50%. I think that was in fourth quarter. Where are we on that number? And lastly, the gross margins were, were down about 400 basis points on a sequential basis. Um, is that a new number we should go with, or can we see that potentially bounce back to where we were a quarter ago? Thank you. Uh, I think in, in terms of the overall competitive uh, landscape, uh, I think our uh, positioning is still very strong, especially uh, in terms of the frequency payment. I think you know we uh, are the highest uh, DAU as well as MAU uh, payment platform in China, uh, and I think the number of transactions that we have is also highest. Uh, and uh, in, in terms of the overall transaction volume uh, of our commercial transactions, it has been growing uh, at a faster rate than the overall transactions too. So uh, I think you know, the overall positioning is actually quite strong. Uh, in, in terms of, uh, what was your second question uh, with respect to numbers? Uh, we missed that, sorry. The payment margin, I think um, it is a function of uh, many different numbers. So I think in your, as the payment business is still in a flux of changes, particularly with the uh, taking away of the interest and uh, this new change in which we were able to uh, retain more of the cash within uh, 
the overall system, uh, which is having impact on both the revenue and the cost uh, and uh, the velocity of payment. I think, you know, at this point, it's hard to make a, uh, a number at this point in time. Yeah, I think, you know, it will probably take a couple quarters for us to uh, take a more stabilized view of the business, and then we can probably give you a better number. And a final question, please. This is the last question. It comes from the line of Thomas Chong from Jeffries. Please ask your question. Uh, hi, uh, thanks, management, for taking my questions. Um, I have a question regarding uh, our M&A uh, strategies. Uh, given we have uh, talked a lot about uh, content, uh, should we expect our M&A strategies to focus more on music or short-form video or going forward, or, uh, or uh, games, etc.? Can management give us some direction uh, on how uh, we use our cash? Thank you. So uh, thank you for the question, Thomas. Uh, in general, if you look at our, our, the total amount of capital we're deploying in investments, then uh, the rate of investment has slowed quite notably from the first half of 2018 to uh, the second half of 18 and the first half of 19. And that's partly because uh, the amount of capital we're deploying into investments has decelerated after a, an unusually rapid pace in the first half of 18 when we were investing in, in smart retail and uh, game uh, broadcast sites. Uh, and that's partly also because the rate of divestments has, has picked up. Uh, pretty sharply. So in recent months, uh, you know, in some months, our rate of divestments has matched our rate of investments. Uh, in terms of uh, where we are uh, focusing, then uh, historically, uh, you know, for the past 10 years or so, we've been quite active investing in, in upstream content, and that includes uh, game studios, uh, that includes uh, TV production businesses, literature, uh, you know, music. And you know that continues, but the the greater change is, is that uh, you know we, we have uh, become more active in uh, some of the sort of frontier opportunities, particularly uh, enterprise software, uh, also financial technology, uh, education technology, to some extent, uh, health-related technology opportunities. Uh, so overall, uh, you know we, we continue to invest, but at a more measured pace than at the beginning of, of last year and. Um, you know, as the internet transforms more aspects of everyday life, then we feel that you know, Tencent has a role to play in, in helping that transformation. And sometimes we can play that role uh, entirely by ourselves, and sometimes we want to play that role in, in tandem with partners. And, and uh, with some of those partners, it makes sense for us to form an equity relationship to, to deepen uh, an institutionalized relationship. There are no more questions. Questions on the queue. Miss Yip, please begin your closing remarks. Thank you. And we are closing the call now. If you wish to check out our press release and other financial information, please visit the IR section of our company website. The replay of this website will also be available soon. And see you next quarter. That does conclude our conference for today. Thank you for participating. Tencent Holdings Limited 2019 Second Quarter and Interim Results Conference Call. You may all disconnect now.